When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello there, and welcome to It's an S Pod Thing, the podcast revisiting every episode of S Club 7's insane TV show. I'm Sophie Davis, and joining me on this journey from Miami to Spain will be a range of guests who may or may not have seen the show before. Either way, we're going to analyse it in more detail than anyone ever asked for. If you're an S Club fan like me and remember watching the show, hopefully this podcast will bring it all back to you. So my guest on the podcast today is Samantha Baines. Hello. Hello. So to start with, I'd like to know what is your history with S Club 7 and have you ever seen this TV show before? I love that. What is your history? Like we've had a long (laughs) in-depth relationship and now we've broken up and I will never speak to them again. Um, I used to love S Club 7. I can't remember how old I was. I'm not one of those people who remembers like years when I did stuff. Some people are like in 2001, I did this. I don't know. (laughs) But I was when I was younger. I was a big S Club fan and I had their album. I don't know how many albums they had. I definitely had an album. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there was four altogether, yeah. Oh, wow. Quite prolific. I love it. (laughs) And I was obviously like girl crush mad on Rachel. Is one of them called Rachel? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was just suddenly like, oh my God, (laughs) I got the wrong band. Um, Yeah, I loved Rachel and was so into them and knew the dance routine to don't stop falling in love, hold your head high. I actually listened to that today whilst I was cooking just to cheer myself getting up. in the mood for the podcast yeah I, like that. I feel like you've like re you've brought S Club back into my life and I'm like oh my god <laughs> you've brought it all back to me so yeah I, I loved them when I was younger and I have seen this show before I didn't think I had but when I started watching it I was like oh my god I remember this so I don't think I watched it like religiously every episode but I definitely watched it like when it was on tv flashbacks yeah yeah so today we're talking about miami 7 episode 8 it's called alien hunter and it aired on cbbc on the 27th of may 1999 wow and there's a lot to unpack in this episode i think it's called alien hunter because there's a tv show called alien hunter being filmed at the hotel where s club are working is that a real show it's a fake show right i'm pretty sure it's a fake show yeah and the episode just starts with a scene from alien hunter doesn't it and it looks like some sort of 
porn is going to happen because they've got this shirtless guy kind of strung up and it's the alien very comes in. 50 shades of gray like he's just hanging yeah. from a chain and you're like oh yeah. hi what's gonna happen and the alien starts sort of threatening him but like stroking his chest and so and i think he says something like i'm gonna eat you from your eyebrows all the way down it's it's a bit sexual to be honest it's weird well i don't know what you do in the bedroom but i don't normally get my (laughs) eyebrows involved maybe i will now this um woman called cinnamon hunter who's the star of the show sort of bursts in great she shoots at the alien so it runs away and she rescues the guy like the uh the feminist icon that she clearly is with the worst american accent of all time it's weird isn't it and then yeah we'll get to this in a bit but then her her actual accent in inverted commas is northern and that's not very good either. It's very legged, this show. There's a sort of showdown with the alien, which blows itself up to avoid telling her where her parents are. And then we see the director saying cut and her cheesy American accent drops. And she kind of goes, has anyone got an Anki? Because that's what all Northern people say and have, of course is hankies yeah it's weird we see the band are all sort of dressed up in various outfits because i guess they're extras for the day they're working at this hotel and then while this tv show is being shot there they're being extras tina's wearing this awful alien costume it's kind of like an american football helmet with springs on her head oh my god i quite liked it i thought that outfit was the best thing in the episode i was like they have gone to town like with nothing else except that outfit she had like a boob breastplate in metal like armor but the boobs on it were so much bigger than tina's boob yeah (laughs) yeah it's massive and she's got like sort of vacuum cleaner tubes attached to a sort of bin bag look going on yeah someone put a lot of effort into that sort of diy costume it's quite impressive aside from her hannah and bradley addressed as police officers rachel's in a sort of hazmat suit and paul is wearing like a wig with an axe through his head which looks like a sort of five pound from a fancy dress shop sort of thing doesn't it and there's another person at some point in like a food queue with the same as him but yeah. i can't <laughs> see how that would relate to the alien movie like why are just loads of people being axed in the head but sure yeah that's clearly part of the plot that we don't see i guess john is talking about how he's a big fan of this show he says it's the best series in the known universe and tina disagrees and she says without a hint of irony the acting's so bad it makes the teletubbies look like the royal shakespeare company (laughs) this is incredible I can't believe they're filming Alien Hunter at our hotel. I can't believe no one makes biohazard suits that fit. I mean, it's just like the best series in the known universe. No, it's not. It's pop. It's so badly acted. It makes the Teletubbies look like the Royal Shakespeare Company. Yeah, and it's incredible because obviously we all know Tina is the worst actor in S Club 7. And and it's like she's got even worse for that line. I wonder if the director of the, not the foe, is so meta as well it's like they're filming a TV show about <laughs> filming a TV show. But um, I wonder if the actual director of the S Club 7 show was just laughing away when she said that line of just like, I know how bad they are. Yeah, it's strange to imagine. And like the other actors around them as well, they must have been very sort of polite, mustn't they? Well, you're an actor. What would you have done if you were sort of dealing with that? I think, 
you know, when you're a jobbing actor, a job's a job. So you're just like, I've been offered this opportunity and I'm going to take it even if the people around me are maybe not trained at the Royal Shakespeare Company. Yeah, I think, I mean, I've definitely been in some questionable shows with some amazing actors and also some not so amazing actors. But I do feel like everyone in the S Club show is a bad actor. Like even the guest stars who could have tried to make those roles work are awful. So I don't know if they deliberately picked people who couldn't act so that S Club 7 wouldn't look so bad in their acting ability or if they were all just directed to do ridiculous things and then, you know, there's nothing you can do. I remember I was in a show once, I won't say what it was, and I had this director who kept just saying more, just do more, bigger, (laughs) bigger. And I was like being so big already and on camera, you know, in the theatre you can afford to go a bit bigger with stuff because the audience are further away and you can like project a bit. But on camera, it's like up close. They were doing like a close-up and he wanted me to be bigger and I just thought this is going to be horrendous and people are going to think that I – that I made these decisions as an actor. Um, And I think, so I feel sorry for the actors in the show, the actual actors, not S Club 7, in the show, if they also had that situation. But maybe they're just bad actors. We don't know. See, that's the issue. People will have watched me in this show and been like, is she a bad actor? Or was the director making her do more? I feel like I needed to put a little note in the show just to like hack the TV and when it was on and then my face just appears in the middle of the show like some (laughs) sort of like um, I've kidnapped someone like ransom note and be like P.S. The way I'm acting in that scene wasn't my choice. Okay, thanks. Bye. (laughs) I was told to do this. Yeah, it's not my fault. Yeah, with a lot of these actors in this show, I I look them up on IMDb and most, there's quite a few in this episode. There's not usually this many guest actors, but there's quite a lot in this one. And I think pretty much all of them have got about like two credits on IMDb from this period of time. The one guy who does still seem to be doing a lot is the guy who's playing the director. I didn't recognize him, but he's got quite an extensive IMDb page. So he's clearly done well for himself. But most of the others are uh, seem to be doing a bit of acting in 1999 and then nothing since. I mean, also we have to bear in mind, I guess, that it's a CBBC show. So when you're in like children's, because I've been in a few children's shows, you know, you do ham it up a bit and it is, you mm-hmm. can be a bit more fun, have a bit more fun with it. But I mean, even on those standards, like some of the CBBC shows now are incredible and the acting is like amazing and the kids are like mm-hmm. so on it. So even, even so they need to sort their lives out. Yeah, with a lot of kids shows, it's kind of like, you feel like sometimes the writers are writing it almost as if it's a show for adults as well. And then sometimes they're like, ah, it's a kid's show. We can just put anything down. I'm not sure which camp this one falls into. Oh, I definitely get the vibe that everyone involved in this show was just like, oh, it's just someone wanted to make a show with S Club 7. We just have to fill 28 minutes. Let's just do it. Because, I mean, the storyline, I like that you said the word plot earlier, like <laughs> like that is a word that could ever be associated with the show. The storyline is so non-existent and the journey of the characters, again, non-existent. Like the physical journey in this episode is that Tina goes to sleep in a laundry truck 
when she lives in the hotel that they are currently on. So she could just go to her room and go to sleep. But no, no, she thinks, oh, yeah. I'll fall asleep on some laundry. And then, of course, the truck drives away and she ends up somewhere else. That is the journey of the show, a physical one, because no one changes as an individual. Rachel is so horrible to Hannah, like the whole time. Yeah. I, I, and I hate that as a, you know, I watched that when I was growing up. And I mean, I was probably a bit older if it's 1999. But, and that's a horrible display of how two women interact with each other. Like the guys get on, everyone else gets on. But Rachel and Hannah are so rude to each other. It's like they can like each other. Like women in real life like each other. <laughs> there doesn't have to be conflict between the band members. There can just be conflict between the band members and like the director or the guest characters. So that made me quite angry. Yeah, it's pretty much throughout this whole show. Like there is a lot of arguing amongst the band and yeah, particularly the women, it gets a bit sort of, um, I guess you might back then we probably would have said like catty, like it's that sort of vibe. The show is mostly written by men. There's the odd episode that's written by a woman and I have noticed a bit of a change in tone, to be honest. That just seems to be how it was. But, so um, was this episode written by a man? I didn't look. Yeah, two men. <laughs> of course, because it starts with yeah. like a hunter, an alien hunter who's dressed like Tomb Raider with yeah. like short hair and like a bit of boob out and a lot of leg. And mm -hmm. at one point she even like gets a bit flirty with John. And she like, yeah, she's old enough to be his mum, which is fine. You know, <laughs> people can have relationships with younger men, but it's just odd. It's like, there's no need for that weird sexual bit where she like tries out some lines on him, but he thinks that she's chatting him up. It's just a really random bit in a scene. And it's like, it's like the whole episode is filler. But then you're like, what are you filling for? Like, what's the main dramatic moment? It's like someone's just gone, oh, God, we've got to write this thing with these seven people in it. What shall we do? So, like, nothing happens. There's no, nothing drives the plot forward. Nothing tells us more about the characters. Like, there's no depth. I know it's a children's show, but there can be so much depth in children's show. Like, I was in Hank Zipser and... It was it was great. Like the you really like learn about the kids in the show, but it's just like you learn nothing. You learn that Rachel hates Hannah because she gets a like also hilarious that Hannah gets a line in this fake film over Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> and then Hannah's the one who actually becomes an actor. Like in her mm -hmm. real life. You can yeah. see that early on. They compare her to Michelle Pfeiffer, don't they? He says, Weird. oh, I can see a lot of Michelle Pfeiffer in you. And that just shows that the two men probably in their 30s wrote it. Because who would, like, what child watching CBBC is like, oh, Michelle Pfeiffer, yeah, she's a current reference yeah. for me right now. I get that. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, exactly. So John is a big fan of this show and Bradley says he just likes it because he fancies uh, Cinnamon Hunter. Oh my God, Bradley needs to back off all the women. Yeah, in this episode, he's mad. Yeah, Bradley he's loving it in is... this episode he's he's too much like in today if he did what he's doing in this episode today people would be like you're gonna get arrested mate like you're harassing women 
Like he's just constant. Like I'm going to chat up that person. Did she give you her number? I want her number. Like Bradley needs to chill out and read the signs. Yeah, because in this scene, he's talking about, oh, you fancy her. And John is like, no, no, she's a fictional character. And Bradley goes, yeah, but so's Belle from Beauty and the Beast and I fancy her. (laughs) And then that's the point where he goes off to chat up the script supervisor. So he's just, he's very horny in this episode for some reason. I mean, to be fair, I have fancy Disney characters also. So I can relate with Bradley, like Aladdin, when I first saw Aladdin. Also the fox in Robin Hood. Really fancy. That is a common one, isn't it? Everyone loves the fox in Robin Hood. Um, But, you know, harassing women when they're on set trying to do their job. No, Bradley. (laughs) The poor script supervisor. She's just, we we never see her. She's probably just trying to get on with her day. That's the other thing. You just see him talking about harassing and then you don't actually see any of these women he's trying to harass. We don't get to hear their side of it. That's what this show's missing. Uh, Tina starts having a moan about how she was up all night making sandwiches. And Paul goes, well, I knew you you walked in your sleep, but this is ridiculous. And she explains she was making them for the catering. She also mentions that she's got her dad coming over from England to visit her. Or although he's not really coming specifically to visit her, she says he's just got a few hours between planes. So he's just sort of stopping by, I guess. Such a random subplot. Why? Yeah, maybe it's a bit more jeopardy because he's sort of threatening to call the police at the end, isn't he? Like, where's my daughter? She's gone missing. And yeah, this is another actor who I looked up and was like, oh, this is the only thing he's ever been in. Who is this guy? Got a very strong jawline. Maybe he's maybe he's her actual dad. Mm, I didn't think of that. Maybe they flew him over for the day. <laughs> Might have been cheaper than getting paying an actor. Just like, oh, I'll just get your dad in. Exactly. I can't imagine the budget was huge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, John goes over to talk to the woman who plays Cinnamon Hunter, who's called Jill Ward, and she is played by Kathy Dennis, who is a, a very prolific songwriter. She wrote a lot of S Club's big hits, and she also wrote other songs like uh, Toxic, Can't Get You Out of My Head, and I Kissed a Girl. She's got like a really massive Wikipedia page. But this is her only acting credit on IMDb where she isn't playing herself in a cameo. So again, a very weird choice because she clearly has links to the band. Yeah, she clearly has links to the band because she wrote a lot of their music. But yeah, I don't know why they roped her into playing this part. They obviously ran out of budget, didn't they? They got (laughs) Tina's dad in to play Tina's dad. And they were obviously like, we can't pay a real... Because why? In such a main role, why would you have someone who's not an actor? That's so weird. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was the money again. It was, Kathy, can you do us a favour and come play this part? That's such a weird... And why did she say yeah? Like, she's a successful songwriter. What? Also, I love that she started off writing s club seven songs and then she went on to like britney spears and like kylie and stuff that's crazy she started (laughs) the beginnings s club seven yeah and weird trivia this is something i read ages ago i can't remember where but there's a rumor that she wrote the song toxic about the super vet professor noel fitzpatrick who she was dating at the time oh weird trivia is he horrible no well, he's, he's a lovely vet on Channel 4, but... Your toxic yeah. hand slipping under, maybe he deals with a lot of sort of toxic veterinary medicines <laughs> and he never washed his hands before they had nice times. Yeah, anyway, the next time everyone hears toxic, just 
think about that. <laughs> Something to think of. She's doing a really strong northern accent here, which she doesn't have in real life. Yeah, it's very weird. John goes over to sort of fangirl over her and he goes, oh, do you have anything co- in common with your character? And she goes, ah, oh, nails. And then she takes off one of her false nails and gives it to him and says, I'll let you keep it if you get me a sandwich. And John's like, wow, thanks. That's one of my favourite bits. Like, what? I mean, was that in the script? Did they write that in? Was that just something she improvised in the moment? Like, who thinks of that to give someone a fake nail? And also, she's in between filming. So she's yeah. going to have to get that nail replaced by the poor makeup people who are doing her nails. Like, you can't just give, like, that's a bit of your costume. You can't just give, and it was green. So gross and weird and random, and I, I actually really loved it. They're going to be like, "What you did? What with your nail?" They're just going to have to replace it now and be really annoyed. Yeah, she's she probably does it all the time. They're like, "Babe, stop giving the nails away. We're running out." <laughs> just giving them away to fans every day. Yeah, people auctioning them off on eBay or something. But um, he asks if she thinks Cinnamon Hunter will ever find her parents, and she says something like, "Oh, I hope, I hope not, because then the series would finish and I'd have to go back to work in Burger King, which is a bit sort of uh, underestimating herself. She's got the lead role in this massive show, and she's like, "Oh, I'll just go back to Burger King if the show ever ends." I quite like that though, because it's a bit of backstory. I'm like, oh, maybe she used mm. to work in Burger King and then she got offered this show. And even though it seems awful, she was like, well, it's better than working in Burger King. Also, why Burger King? Because normally you'd say McDonald's. So I wondered if there was a little bit of a Burger King sponsorship deal there with S Club <laughs> 7. And they all had their faces on burgers or something. The Bradley Burger is the one that harasses women. <laughs> Miss Wood? Ah, uh, yes. I'd like a fruit salad, please, and an eggplant panini with shaved parmesan. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not taking your lunch order. I'm a fan. I just wanted to say how much I enjoyed the show. Oh, how lovely. You sound very different on TV. Aye, well, that's because Cinnamon Hunters all American. So, um, what would you say is the same about you and Cinnamon? Our nails! There you go. I'll let you keep it if you'll get me a sandwich. Thanks. So, um, do you think you'll ever find your parents? Beg pardon? In the show, do you think you'll ever find them? I hope not, because then series would finish and I'd have to go back to work in Burger King. Oh, right. (laughs) I quite like this bit where John sort of sits down with her and he starts trying to ask her really specific questions about the show and she's clearly not interested so he just goes off and gets the sandwich and then this is the point where tina because she's an absolute idiot goes for a lie down in a van and then the van drives away i mean (laughs) why why would you lie down why would you go to sleep in a van also why does she need a nap because she was up doing the sandwiches is that the idea yeah i guess so but like you said she could have gone to her room it's probably only a few feet away yeah like just very strange yeah When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. 
That's stamps.com code program. Howard goes over to the girls and tells them that the director wants one of them to get a line. And this is the point where Rachel and Hannah just start immediately competing with each other, which is weird. And also it's weird that Joe is there and she's not even in the running for this. I feel like Joe's not really in this episode. Like she's just yeah, constantly she's just kind of in lurking the in the background. Apart yeah. from when they sing a song about friendship and she's just pointing at the camera all the time. Yeah. Yeah. She's it's a weird really one. She's it. not really in this much. And yeah the fact that she's even there in this scene because he's like oh one of you girls is gonna get to do a line and they're just immediately like well obviously it's not gonna be joe <laughs> like she's not even in the running whatsoever just sort of lurking in the background over people's shoulders quipping in with a little line every now and then but it turns out the line they're saying is just look out isn't it but they're still getting super competitive over it we get this michelle fife line at this point Weirdly as well, Bradley brings over a box for Hannah to stand on because he says, well, the director says you're too short to be a police officer. It's a weird little moment there. I've had to stand on a box before when I was filming because I was too... Yeah? I was kissing a guy in a film and he was much taller than me, so I had to stand on a box. I also had to stand on a box in A Royal Night Out which is a film about the princesses escaping on VE Day. And we were mm-hmm. filming Jack Rayner. And so we were filming an over-the-shoulder shot, which is basically when Jack, you can see Jack's face in the camera and then you can see like the back of my head, essentially. And I had to stand on a box so the back of my head was in the perfect place. <laughs> so that is quite a common filming thing. Okay. So well done, S Club 7. <laughs> And we see Tina then waking up in this van and she sort of, she looks at the time at first and and goes, oh heck. And then she actually gets out of the van and she's just now in a car park, God knows where, because it's driven away. And yeah, she sort of gets stuck in the van door, doesn't she? Like a really OTT scream and she sort of falls down and knocks herself out and gets the the helmet like trapped over her face for the rest of the episode i was like i wondered about that because i was like why does she get the visor trapped like so she can't so you can't see it's her i wondered if she just like couldn't film that episode or something and so (laughs) because and because they could have had anyone in that costume for like the rest of the episode until you see her face again, because it's a really random thing. Like the episode wouldn't have changed in any way if her face, if you could see her face. Yeah. Also, I love that she said, oh, heck, who says, oh, heck? <laughs> like, I know they can't swear because it's CBBC, but you can come up with better than heck. We can bring that back. We can start saying, oh, heck. <laughs> yeah. And she's got these two kids watching her aren't they and they think she's like a real alien even though it's like the cheapest sort of diy looking costume possible and she's unconscious at this point and they're just sort of like prodding at her like oh it's a real alien and meanwhile back on the set hannah and rachel are at each other's throats what i can't deal with with the kids bit is when they find this alien and they think it's a real alien and they're like oh my god what are we gonna do and i was like oh my god finally something's gonna happen and we're gonna have some cool (laughs) storyline where the kids are like chasing an alien or trying to understand her speaking and then they just go oh we'll leave her and walk off and then you never see the kids again (laughs) it's like yeah it's like 
whoever wrote that like missed the biggest opportunity there and also what is the point of that scene like when you obviously I write books but I've written some you know pilot episodes of things when you write a a book or an episode every scene has to either like give you some in-depth thing about the character so you discover something new about them or drive the plot forward Mm-hmm. So, and if there's just a random scene, especially like in comedy or whatever, if there's just a random scene because it's funny, like that's not a good enough reason. It has to also, you know, reveal something about a character or like drive the plot forward. And that scene does nothing. Like absolutely, it reveals nothing. It doesn't drive the plot forward. It's literally just two boys finding her and going, oh, and it's kind of amusing and then move on. That's what I mean about this whole episode is like a filler. <laughs> yeah, they go off to get a pizza, don't they? <laughs> yeah, so random. And that's and then you're like, oh, we're going to see them later with the pizza. Are they going to come back and it will all be linked in some clever way? No, no, no. No. You never see them again. We get a little whiff of plot. Yeah, we could have had a nice little story of her befriending these kids and then thinking she's an alien, but no, missed opportunity. She goes to a shopping centre instead and has photos taken with people. And dances. A lot. I don't know how many photo shoots you photo shoots you've been on, but I don't tend to dance during a photo shoot. So just yeah. as a point. Yeah, and something I was watching this with my boyfriend before and he noticed that the camera that they're using to take photos is the wrong type of camera like even just stuff like that it's like like it's a film camera where you have to take about 40 photos before you can get them developed like overnight or whatever so the people who are posing for the photos aren't gonna see the outcome of that they're just paying money for nothing pretty much and then the the photographer just like throws the money in the air just like he's really pleased with all the money it's a bit much really <laughs> like he's not won the lottery or anything he's just made a bit of cash for some photos he's charging 15 dollars per photo which isn't even really that much if you're thinking he's taking the mm. photo and then printing it and giving it to them and then he's like i'm rich so weird because initially he's just doing photos with like a cardboard cutout of alien hunter isn't he and charging ten dollars just for that and then he's like oh well now that i've got an actual alien in a costume i'll hike the price up but only by like five (laughs) dollars that's how much tina's worth clearly (laughs) like an extra five dollars on top of a cardboard cutout and also she has a lot of photos and i think she only gets paid 35 dollars because that's all she pays the taxi man in the end so she didn't get a good cut on that yeah meanwhile back on the set the director has chosen hannah to do this line and it immediately goes to her head she's sort of pushing rachel out of the way like oh i need some space and rachel goes have you looked between your ears lately it's very nasty and she's rehearsing it saying look out in all these different kind of monotone ways and this is the point really where they start wondering where's tina got to and that her dad is actually on his way over so they're kind of like oh christ our friend's been abducted but they're not that concerned like they don't call the police or anything they're just kind of like oh i wonder where tina's got to well also if you hadn't seen i know they all live together and whatever but if you hadn't seen your friend for like an hour you wouldn't be like oh my god she's been abducted you'd just be like we're on a busy film set maybe she's doing something with someone from yeah, the film true. set, but they all start panicking quite quickly, I feel. Yeah, they go and ask Howard if he's seen her, and I wasn't sure what he was doing at first, but he's sort of, I think this is quite a good little detail, actually. He's kind of crouched down with his hands in a fountain, and he's, like, picking the coins out. So yeah, that's quite I like a nice that. little character detail. Yeah. Well done, Howard. 
Yeah, because to begin with, it looks like he's going to like dive into the fountain or something because he's like, yeah. it looks like doing swimming arms, but fully clothed. And then you're like, oh... He's picking pennies. And I was like, well, what the hell is he doing? But yeah, that's what's going on. Jill starts kicking off because she doesn't want to run up some stairs. She wants a stunt man to do it instead. Well, she says stunt person. And then the joke is that it's like a big man with a moustache wearing her sort of outfit. And the band are all watching like, oh, what a prima donna. And Rachel goes, yeah, she doesn't want to twist her larynx which is like the throat, isn't it? The larynx. Very bizarre. Hannah gets to deliver her line, but Rachel's sort of distracting her, isn't she, on the sideline? Yeah, she puts a gorilla head on at one point. It's like, (laughs) where did you get that? Just in her back pocket, she's always got that gorilla head. And then she's like, oh, perfect opportunity to whip out my gorilla head. And But to be fair, Hannah's not very professional. Like, she just keeps break. She's only got two words to say and she keeps being like, I can't concentrate. Who's being a prima donna now? Yeah, because she says, um, can you remove that woman from the set, please? <laughs> it's like, don't, you're sort of a, a glorified extra. I don't think you can make demands like that, really. And Rachel's sort of, yeah, Hannah should be able to cope with that, shouldn't she? A little distraction at the side. The gorilla mask is a bit weird, though. That will that'll probably distract me. Yeah, well, I mean, some actors that I've worked with um actually don't want anyone in their eye line when they're filming so if they have to look in a specific direction all the crew have to move out of that area so that they won't catch eyes or see anyone so some people do actually do that I've never done that yeah is that considered kind of normal or is that a bit sort of oh they're a bit you know prima donna like they keep saying in this episode it can be but also it depends on the scene because if you're doing like an emotional moment right there's like some crew members having a laugh in the corner like right in your eyeline obviously like that can be a bit distracting if you're meant to be like having your climactic moment of the episode or whatever it is but um but yeah, if it's just a normal like speaking scene, then yeah, it is a bit prima donna to move people out of the way. Yeah, that makes sense. In the shopping centre, we were talking about guest actors before. I quite like this boy who runs up and is like, wow, is that a Dal High Commander? Like as soon as Tina shows up, he's like, wow, is that really one of those? And it's, yeah, I think he, he did what he could with that line. I think he did his best. It's the best actor in the episode. This is the point where John's waiting in a queue and there's a woman wearing one of those axe head things again. And Jill comes over and starts saying all these things to him. Being like, weirdly sexual. Ever since I first saw you, I felt an animal attraction. And John looks pretty baffled doesn't he well he sort of looks confused scared and excited at the same time but she's just practicing her lines which he should have known really because she's doing an american accent but he is he's a little bit sort of taken in and then disappointed when she's like oh thanks thanks for running me lines with me with that accent she's doing that i feel personally offended by also the last time she saw him she didn't like him she gave him a nail and asked him to get her a sandwich and then he just watched her eat the sandwich and now she's like running lines with him i feel like it's a quick turnaround like suddenly he's her favorite person she's like run lines with me and i'll pretend she knows what she's doing she knows she's he's gonna get taken in by her sexual lines Maybe she's enjoying the attention. Jill, hi. I'm glad that... Ever since I first saw you, I felt an undeniable animal attraction. I tried to resist it because in my job, you have to keep your head clear and your heart empty. But the more I fought it, 
the stronger that desire became until it overwhelmed me and until I had to admit to myself and to the world, I want you. Does that sound convincing to you? Well, yeah, you, you had me convinced. Thanks for running through me lines. At any time. Joe is still worried about where Tina's got to and she says it's like she was abducted by aliens or something. Cleverly uh, linking it in there. I bet the male writers, when they wrote that, were like, <laughs> we're so clever. I can just <laughs> imagine. Five. I'm imagining these two white, straight writers of CBBC shows who've been given lots of opportunities in their life and maybe shouldn't have going, <laughs> my God, we're clever. We've worked an alien abduction line into the episode about aliens. Yeah, these two guys, I don't really know anything about one of them, but one of them I had heard of before because he's written some of the worst ever episodes of Red Dwarf. He got another job after this yeah. episode? Wow. I'm a big Red Dwarf fan, so he was known to me already because pretty much all the sort of most hated episodes are him. Oh, wow. So, yeah, he's involved in this. He's made a real name for himself. This is where we get the song, because there's one in every episode, and this time it's We Can Work It Out Now, which was apparently a B-side. I tried to Shazam it, and it didn't come up with anything, so I had to Google the lyrics. Um, but it's quite catchy, I think. I've had it in my head today. It's, it's not too bad. Yeah, it's like not bad as a song, but it, I really feel that it has no relation at all to what's going on in the episode, because they're not mm -hmm. being friends. Rachel's not being nice to Hannah and everyone's lost Tina and they're like, oh my God, where's Tina? But no one is like actively searching for her, asking crew members where their friend might be. So I feel that it's very weird that they're singing a song about friendship. Yeah. And it's kind of this montage of Tina getting her photos taken with all these different people, including some nuns, bizarrely. And it's kind of interspersed as well with shots of the band all singing together in a car. And this was kind of from a previous episode. Like there was an episode about them actually getting a car earlier on and then they sang something in the car. So I guess they must have kind of just filmed every song in the car and thought, oh, we can just slip bits in later maybe because, yeah, this was quite out of place. Usually there is more connection than this. Yeah, they were like, oh, the car's great. Let's just film with the car again. Also, Rachel and Hannah were both using the steering wheel, which is very <laughs> dangerous driving. Yeah, and they're all kind of standing up in the back, aren't they? It's not really advisable. On a kid's show, maybe that wouldn't be so uh, allowed anymore, dangerous driving being promoted. But at the end of the day, Tina finally managed to get this visor open. And she could sort of ask for help at this point, but instead she asks out the guy who's been taking all the photos. And he has a really weird response. Oh my God, so weird. He's clearly insane. <laughs> he says like, no, because she's a Dahl commander. And he says, you might atomize me with your Zorgon, Ray. So I don't know if he's just trying to get out of it or if he genuinely just thinks that she's a real alien. It's very odd. It's just such a weird moment because he's been taking photos with her and then he's also like, where did you get this costume? And she's like on a film set. And then he's like, no, you're an alien. And we're like, no, we've already established that it's a costume. And she was on the film set. So you know she's not an alien. And it's 
It doesn't seem like he's trying to make a joke. And it, it's yeah. just a very weird. I feel like they were like, oh my God, we've got to get rid of this character because if she gets his number, then he might have to come back again. And that's too complicated to write into the next episode. So we've just got to get rid of him. So they just like wrote a line just to get rid of him, which makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, he's off to like get sectioned or something now. That was really bizarre. And just throw his money around some more. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's another sign. She's, she, maybe she was wise, well, lucky to not go out on a date with him because he's clearly very, he's got something going on. Well, that about does it for us today. Here's your cut. Look, it was really nice working with you. Maybe I'll see you around sometime. <gasps> no, wait! Hi! Give me your number. Maybe we can go out for a bite to eat sometime. Can I ask you a question? Where did you get that suit? This? Oh, I got it working on Alien Hunter. You work on the show? You really work on Alien Hunter? Really? Yeah. I'm a Dow Commander. Wow. But I, I can't go out with you. Why not? Well, I mean, you seem real nice and all, but I know how you Dow Commander types can be. When I turn my back on you for a second, psh, you'll atomize me with your Zorgon ray. So the helmet then gets stuck down again. Uh, it was briefly open and then gets stuck again. She did absolutely nothing worthwhile while it was open apart from ask this guy out. So she leaves the the mall and tries to flag down a car um, and a taxi stops for her and sort of typical joker the taxi driver is like oh i should warn you i don't go out of the solar system i actually really like that moment i think the taxi driver's great because that is so something a taxi driver would say like if you were yeah. in fancy dress like as an alien and you went to a party or something your taxi driver would totally say that and he's i like how he's a really sort of like new york taxi driver even though they're in miami like he's got that sort of taxi driver accent that you hear in films set in new york and he makes another joke as well i can't remember what it is now but something about oh have you been on earth long or something like that and tina is just fuming <laughs> she's not impressed at all yeah i like him he's funny yeah he sold the cheesy jokes well i think yeah he did well, I think. Back on the set, they're all sort of returning their costumes. And Hannah wants to keep the handcuffs, which is a bit uh, <laughs> suspicious. We don't know what she's going got going on there. And she also tries to keep the gun, which is a bit more worrying. Reluctant to give it back for some reason. And this is the point where she finds out that they've cut her line. But w would this be decided that early? Or I was Because I was thinking, no. is this something they'd figure out in the edits <laughs> rather yeah. than on the day? They definitely, they'd film everything and then, yeah, it would go into an edit and then the director would sit in the edit and carry on. I mean, he might have decided if they had way too much material and it wasn't done very well, he might have decided then and there. But you don't get told. Like I, <laughs> in The Crown, um, I filmed like my scenes that you see now. I'm in like season one, episode four or five. Mm -hmm. Um the scenes that you see in The Crown were actually like twice as long. And my character was actually a funny character. And I had loads of like one-liners. Oh, right, okay. And then actually was edited down because the it's, a, it's an episode about the smog descending on mm. London and like loads of people getting, you know, having lung problems and dying. Weird coronavirus now. Mm -hmm. um, but so the because the episode was actually way more serious, they cut out my funny lines and they only kept the right. kind of serious bits. And it and when you watch the whole episode, like it does make sense. But you don't get told until the screen like no one tells you really. So I went to the screening and you know with the other actors and it was only in the screening when we watched the episode that I realized that 
you know, all my funny lines have mm-hmm. been cut out. So I mainly just say a few things in a Cockney accent and then cough a lot. Um, but I had some great one-liners about like Churchill <laughs> and all of that. But um, yeah, it happens quite a lot that people get cut out. So obviously if you only have one line, like luckily I had quite a few scenes, so I'm still in it. But um, yeah, if you only had one line, it is quite easy to be cut from stuff. There was, I filmed on that episode of The Crown, there was a whole nother scene that I filmed with a guy who was like my, this guy I was dating in the episode. And he filmed with me and he filmed with Kate Phillips, who um, played Venetia Churchill's secretary. And he got completely cut from the episode. So yeah, how sad would you be? I've never been, Hmm. touch wood, I've never been completely cut from something. I've had like a few lines cut, but I'm still in it. But yeah, poor Hannah. I feel her pain. Yeah, it seems it does happen, doesn't it? I I was listening to Michael Palin on Richard Herring's podcast this week, and he was talking about how he was cut from You've Got Mail. Like he had a whole part in that film, apparently. And then they just called him. Like So it can happen to Michael Palin, <laughs> like the peak of his career. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. I love that you just compared me to Michael Palin. I love that. And also Hannah from S Club 7 to Michael Palin. Amazing. Yeah. And I think you said that some of his friends call it, um, you've got cut as like a little in joke. That classic movie. Bless him. I wonder, I'd like to know what happened, but he said he doesn't know. Just, he was like, oh, okay. Then. Cause he's so nice. <laughs> he's probably just like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> This at this point, Tina's dad shows up, doesn't he? And he's obviously angry that nobody knows where his daughter is, and he's having a go at Howard a lot. Like, what kind of an employer are you? And like, to be fair, she has only been gone a few hours, and Howard—it's not really his responsibility to sort of be like, "Oh, I keep you know keeping track of her all the time." Yeah, but also like. Tina's a bit of an idiot in this show. Like, that's her thing. Like, she keeps doing stupid <laughs> stuff. So surely her dad would know that she does stupid stuff all the time. So he'd just be like, oh, where is she now? I feel like he's quite quick to anger. Maybe he has some issues in his past that he hasn't dealt with and he's got a lot of, like, residual anger there because it comes up very quickly. And yeah. also talking about the uh, the line getting cut, Rachel goes, oh, now no one will get to see what a terrible actress you are. And she and Hannah says to her, at least I didn't ask for a biohazard suit that was slit to the waist. So mean. <laughs> well, Hannah is slut shaming Rachel and then Rachel's just being horrible. I feel like, why why are they presenting this female relationship? Yeah, and, it, no. and that, it's weird because, yeah, there were some bits earlier where they seemed like they were kind of joking with each other and kind of laughing, but then there are other moments where it's literally like they're trying to destroy each other. I'm not sure. Yeah, just really nasty. Like, why are you still hanging out with each other? You're horrible to each other. And, yeah, talking about inconsistent characters, Jill is leaving now and she gives them a book with a nice little message at the beginning of it as if she's sort of formed a bond with them. And she's like, dear S Club 7. It's like, when did anyone tell her that they were in a band called S Club 7? What? It's so random. Because she's spoken to John a bit, but she seemed quite dismissive of him, didn't she? And then she suddenly is like, oh, this is great. And she she even says, I think this is the nicest location I've ever been on. So like, God knows where they've been filming in the other episodes. It's strange. She gives John a little kiss on the cheek as well. Just again, 
maybe maybe there were scenes cut in this. Maybe we missed out on their relationship forming or something. Or it just wasn't written that way. I mean, I was slightly worried in that moment that she was going to snog him. She <laughs> leant in for quite a while before she kissed him on the cheek. I was like, oh my God, what's going to happen? But she just kissed him on the cheek and then gave him a book. So weird. I think this is the nicest location I've ever been on. Do you hear that? What the nicest location she's ever been on. Thanks to all of you. You've all been thrilled. Thanks for all your help. It was great to work with you. Here's a book for you. Thanks. It's, it's blank. No, there's something on the first page. So what does it say? It says, Dear S Club 7, this book is your future. Fill it with your hopes and dreams. Oh. Did she leave her assistant's phone number in there somewhere? Bradley! And this is as well the point where Bradley's like, oh, she put her assistant's phone number in the book as well. And they're all like, Bradley, what's he like? Yeah, that's awful. They're all like, oh, you. It's like, no, <laughs> tell him to stop harassing all these women. Like, someone's got to stand up for other people. You have to tell your friend that he's doing a bad thing. Also, why does no one ever step in when Rachel and Hannah are being horrible to each other? Like, they're all meant to be friends. Like, one of them could be like, um, you two, like, be nice to each other. So, just bad friendship circle. Toxic. Like Jill wrote. Yeah, Joe isn't really in here much. Paul isn't really in this episode much either, is he? He's just sort of hanging around with his uh, axe in his head. Yeah, nobody's intervening in all the little fights going on. But this is the point where Tina arrives back in the taxi. For you. Yeah. Her dad is threatening we were to call so the police. Worried. <laughs> and I like how John just opens her helmet in like a second. Like, and she looks surprisingly sort of fresh considering she's been trapped in that thing all day. Like, she looks like she's just come out of the shower. That's what I was totally thinking as well is it's like hot Miami heat, isn't it? And everyone's walking <laughs> around in like shorts and t-shirts and she's been in this like intense black metal suit with a helmet on like the whole time you would be and that's why I was thinking maybe it's not her in there during filming as well because that would be a terrible thing to film because you'd be sweating so much in the like in the heat of the day as well oh horrible they could have made quite a good joke of that as well if she had taken the helmet off and she was proper like drenched in sweat and yeah they missed an opportunity there that would have been quite funny and realistic if that was me i would just be like drenched and like bright red definitely like hat hair as well where it's all like yeah the taxi driver asks for 35 dollars. she gives it to him and he's annoyed that she hasn't tipped him and she just goes on my planet we don't tip it's like a bit harsh really <laughs> not a great message but he was t doing annoying joke which she wasn't happy is yeah I he guess. was trying to be nice but he didn't read the room in the taxi so yeah and they start saying obviously because everything's wrapped up now and they're like oh she's still got the costume she could sell it for thousands and at this point their boss is like thousands and he sort of grabs her and starts trying to undo the dress at the back yeah, um, in the street 
Yeah, and Tina's dad is like, hey, because he's trying to sort of feel up his daughter. And again, is like, what sort of an employer are you? And the episode ends with Tina sort of using all that stuff to blag a free meal for everyone at the hotel restaurant. It's so weird because Tina's meant to be the like stupid, clumsy, idiot one. And then at the end, she's like properly in charge and like sorts it all out. And it's like... This character doesn't seem, it's not like it's layers. It's just not a consistent character. Yeah, that's how it is. It's in some of the earlier episodes, I think I described her as like the sensible one. And it really doesn't seem that way in this episode. So I think it's just whatever the writers fancied doing, like different episodes have different writers. Maybe there was no communication. I'm not really sure because they do just vary with their personalities from episode to episode. Before we finish, any kind of last thoughts? on the episode or the show at all well when you told me about this and then I looked up the show and I realized I'd watched it I had like fond memories of watching it and then I watched it to talk to you about it and I was like this is horrific how I've ruined nice memories for you (laughs) no but like how did this get commissioned number one when like so many especially you know like as a comedian and I work with a lot of other comedians who like write their own TV shows and you know struggle to get amazing stuff commissioned. I'm like, how did this happen? And someone gave this money and people wrote, you know, filler episodes and made it. And also, it's so I always find it really interesting watching things back like years later because it is funny things like you know, Hannah got the line in the fake film and now Hannah is an actor and she's in like series Mm -hmm. that are on in America and stuff. And like, so there are funny moments like that, I think. And it's interesting to see how far they've come and that that Jill woman wrote, then went on to write Toxic and stuff for Kylie and Katy Perry. Like, um, so it is funny. It's like a funny origin story. But, but such a strange, such a strange series. And this is one of the oddest episodes so far. I don't blame S Club 7. They were young and someone went, we're going to give you a TV show. And of course you'd be like, oh my God, amazing. I'll do In anything Miami you want me to well, do. Yeah. yeah, like sounds awesome. And then they were obviously just swept up on this ride and made this horrific thing, but were just pleased to be working. And we've all been there. So I don't blame S Club 7. I blame all the people who are involved in making this series. But I enjoyed watching it for the amusement factor. So thank you. So before we finish, where can people find you on Twitter? And is there anything in particular that you want to plug? So on Twitter, I am at Samantha Baines, B-A-I-N-E-S. And I'm at Samantha Baines on Instagram. And I have a website, SamanthaBaines.com. And I'm on TikTok at Samantha Baines. I have a children's book out which hopefully isn't as bad as the children's series we've just been talking about. (laughs) Um, My children's book is Harriet versus the Galaxy. And it's about a little girl with a hearing aid like me who fights aliens in space with her gran and her hearing aid translates alien languages. I also have a podcast called The Divorce Club because I got divorced. But don't worry, I'm okay. And I decided that I didn't really know what was happening to me. So I wanted to talk to other people about their divorces and find out what happened to them and hopefully feel less alone and help 
other people who are going through difficult breakups and divorces. So it's called The Divorce Club. It's available on all podcast platforms. And if you're divorced, hopefully it will help. And if you're not and you're just curious, hopefully you'll enjoy it and it'll be entertaining. And the first episode's with Sarah Milliken. And I just interviewed Thank you for listening to this episode of It's an S Pod. Yeah, I'm it was not edited divorced by and Alex I've been Bonder enjoying it. So with music by anyone William can listen, Kitchener. really. Yeah. If you enjoyed the podcast and want to let us know that we're your number one, please subscribe and leave us a good review. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.